Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. Today, wow, uh, Matt, I'm I'm never at a loss for words on the podcast, but whew, I mean, I you didn't want didn't want to record this right now. This was uh, this you know we we just had riots, we just had looting, and everything is really raw. And I've spoken to. I think I said I've burned my phone out twice today, and um, you know it's it's hard to describe what everybody's feeling in Santa Monica. Yeah, well, I, so I think today we're going to talk about. So, so we should tell people today's Monday. Today's yeah. Monday morning. Yeah. Um, Monday, June first. Yesterday, Sunday, the thirty first was when we had protests and riots and looting. So we're we're what time is it now? We're twelve hours out from what happened yesterday. Um. And I think what we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to go through a little bit with folks and tell them what we saw, right? Like I was out there on the streets all day, give them a little bit of information about what we saw on, on the ground, what they may have seen on their TVs, um, and talk a little bit about how people are feeling about it. Because there's lots of, lots of feelings. Yeah. And, and it should be noted that I'm looking at Matt's forehead right now. And he, <laughs> he was out there in the red. middle of this and either it's red from the sun or pepper spray or maybe both. Yeah, I, I am deeply sunburned because I, I did not plan to be uh, riding my bicycle around. I was on a bicycle the whole time, but I did not plan to be riding around a bicycle between Main Street and downtown for, uh, I don't know. how long. So I started at 11 a.m. and I got home at 8 p.m. Yeah. So yeah, nine hours of outdoor time was not the, not the plan that day. Well, you know, it it should be said that you know this is this is all of our city, and you know, um, Matt made a hum. Our whole team made a huge effort to cover this thing, and it was a moving target. I mean, it started off. Let's let's start with kind of a uh, recap of of how this thing started. Right. So, so it actually started outside Santa Monica. Right. What what happened was there was a protest became violent and there was some looting in Los Angeles over the weekend. And indeed that was happening nationwide. There were protests. Yeah, we're on day 7 of protesting at right. this point. So this this situation has been ongoing for like I say at least a week. And this is all kicked off by uh, a gentleman named George Floyd who was killed by the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, police officer knelt on his neck until Mr. Floyd died and obviously inappropriate horrific that was a terrible situation and that's what's kicked off all of this activity locally and that happened on memorial day yeah in minneapolis and locally we saw started to see these protests really kick up over the weekend in los angeles there's a bunch of stuff in the fairfax area so all of this started to happen we saw on saturday that across social media uh people began to advertise for a peaceful protest in Santa Monica. We saw that start to happen on Saturday. It was advertised to start at Montana and Ocean at noon. That okay. was essentially all the information we had. And and let's let's just be clear, was that was that organized by the city? Was that organized by individuals? Who organized that? As far as we know, that's an individual um, an individual who lives in Santa Monica who took it upon herself to organize a peaceful protest march. Yeah, so just out of, so <laughs> again, we've had lots of conversations about this today, and there are people that are very angry with this woman um, and those that were involved or putting themselves out in front of this thing. Why are you having a protest when 
every protest in every major metropolitan city res- is resulting in rioting, looting. Sure. That's, and we should say we so have we're, we're not going to put her name out in this podcast no. today. And, and we haven't spoken to her since the incident happened. We're only a couple hours out. We haven't spoken to her. A lot of what we're talking about today is just what we know today. Yeah. So there's lots of questions people have for the organizers. Right. We don't have those answers now just a few hours later. We'll and, have and, them in a couple of days, but and, not right and, now. and by the way, we're really going to try and not armchair quarterback all of this response, you know, Monday morning quarterback this thing because it, it's hard I, you know what we what we can do is tell you what we've observed, and you know without too much judgment into our city's response. Although people are angry about that, yeah. I think we, I think there will be some judgment. I'm okay. just going to say that I think All there right. will be. But so anyway, yeah. So we so the protest on. happened. Um, I went out there. I got there early, as I tend to do at these things. So I got there about 11 a.m. Hung out on the corner. Not much happened until noon, which is what you'd expect. People, some people trickled in. It started out with 20 people, grew to about 30 people. Um, As the hours, minutes wore on, it was a steady trickle of people who were coming out of the... They were walking down from the neighborhoods and joining this activity. This is at Montana and Ocean. Montana and Ocean. And it started out with just people on the corner. They were holding signs. They moved to a different corner. They were holding signs. There was some honking. They were just having a truly peaceful gathering. By the way, my wife and two girls were there participating in that. And, and they began, uh, you know, I think they were about 20 minutes in, 30 minutes in. They decided that they were going to walk from Montana and Ocean down to the pier. And they began walking, uh, mostly in Palisades Park, although people were spilling out into the street a little bit. Um, but it's still incredibly peaceful. It wasn't, there was, wasn't aggressive. It wasn't, there was no reason for anyone to be concerned about anything that was happening. This was an entirely peaceful protest. And, it, and if you looked at the top view, there was our, there was a helicopter there. Yep. There, were, there were three news helicopters there when that protest when it, when it started. Yep. Again, very peaceful at this point. It was typical Santa Monica. It was a Chamber of Commerce day. They, you know, the sun was out. Yep. It's going through Palisades Park. There's people on skateboards and scooters. Everybody's marching with signs. People were actually socially distancing, at least from the top. It looked like people were socially distancing, wearing masks. And, you know, it's just another Santa Monica protest that was looked okay at that time. And what should be said, though, is the crowd was continually growing. It was continually growing. So they they walked down to the pier. They did a moment of silence at the pier. Um, There was a little bit of speeching. They turned around and started to go back. I think that may have been one of the decision points here. What happened is they started to go back. By that point, the crowd had easily doubled. I think they had... I think they had a couple of hundred people easily by that point. It's a little bit hard to tell from the ground because you're always surrounded by people and the crowds vary. But there's a lot of people. And a lot of people ha- were merging with the group uh, almost willy-nilly, right? They were just joining, coming from the streets, adding to it. But when they turned around and went back, I think that was the first point where we saw a split. I think there were some protesters who didn't accompany the main group back to Ocean and Montana. I think there were some folks who stuck around down by the pier. Yep. And that's important. We'll get to this in a minute for the timeline, but that's an important point. There were some folks who stuck around by the pier. But the main group went back to Ocean of Montana. Um, as they walked back, they can they sort of more and more and more blocked Ocean until they'd sort of taken over the whole street. But again, they may have been blocking the street, but it was entirely peaceful. It was entirely there was camaraderie amongst everybody. There was nothing about that protest that should have caused anyone any concern. If you were a driver on Ocean you may have been like, oh, what the heck is this? But, you know, get over it. It wasn't that bad. Right. So they get to back to Ocean and Montana. They have another 
for lack of a better term, a ceremony. Everyone took a knee, more silence, some reading of some, some names. And at that point, what was interesting is a lot of the crowd just dissipated. A lot of people just vanished, went their own way, left the event. Did this is about else. this is about what time? I'd say like one o'clock ish. Yeah. Um, however, so we're we're a, we're a full we're a full hour and a half, two hours into this. We're in, uh, yeah, an hour into the the actual protest. Yeah. And this is another decision point. This is a point where I think that that protest could have been dispersed. I don't think it would have impacted what happened later. But what did happen is the police department established a hard line on the alleyway in that first block of Montana. So, so like a half block. Looking east on Montana. Yeah. Yeah, you saw that. They had a line of, whatever, 10, 15 yeah. cops. And they were very strict about not wanting anyone to move up Montana. And I think that was a mistake because that gave people who wanted to be angry someone to be angry at, right? This whole protest is about police brutality. Lining a street with police in riot gear in full you know helmets the whole shebang it gave people a reason to gave them a target yep and that created a friction point and so for another half hour or so there was some shouting at the police officers there was some chanting again it was still peaceful right it was still peaceful there was still no reason to be concerned i actually don't think the police should have worried too much about blocking them i think they should have i think if they just let them walk where they wanted to walk i think that crowd would have naturally dispersed and wouldn't have been a problem. But what happened was at about 115, 120 or so, all of the police officers that were blocking Montana all bugged out. They vanished. Completely turned around, got on the motorcycles. Like they all just completely pulled out. And at that point, you and I actually had a phone call, mm-hmm. right? And I was talking about what else we were going to do, how we were going to cover it. So you and I had a phone call at 1.30 p.m., and the 1.30 phone call was when you told me there were reports of looting at Santa Monica Place. Yeah. At, at this point, I was home, and my kids are out. So what's funny is in, you talk about that split. My wife went back up to Montana, and I'm on the phone with her, and my kids went with their friends and went to the downtown area. Yep. And when then I was, and the helicopter's right above Santa Monica Place. And I'm watching Santa Monica Place just get looted, just people running in and out with arms full of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got into my car and said, hey, <laughs> we, I called you yeah. and said, the mall's getting looted. And I called my daughter, Maya, and she said, oh, yeah, I'm watching the van store just get looted. There's not a cop to be found anywhere. And, and what's, so there's a couple interesting points here. First point is the looting was not caught, wasn't the protesters. The protesters had generally all moved up, right? Looting happened independently of them. Yes. But there were a group of protesters who were in the area. And again, this is going to be important as this timeline goes on because this impacted the police response. So 1.30, looting is occurring. I was like, oh, crap, let me get over there. So I'm on a bicycle, right, because I had specifically not brought a car downtown today. I could walk most places anyway, but I figured a bike was the best way to do it. Yep. So I rode my bicycle from Ocean and Montana straight to Santa Monica Place. Locked my bicycle in front of the Nordstrom's right there and started to look around to see what I could see. And by that point, they were already boarding up the Nordstrom's. It was being wood paneling was going up. Um, I was taking some photos. I could see people on the street with armfuls of clothes. 
But at that point, there was also some other stuff was happening. Um, I had to run back to our office for a minute. We actually had a deadline issue. We had to get the Monday paper out. There was a need for me to come back here. So I had enough time to walk from Santa Monica Place to our office, right? Which is two, three blocks. Yeah, we're fifth in Colorado. Yeah. So walk back here, solve the problem, immediately go back outside. And I walked from our office to the mall entrance there on 4th Street, right where Model Land is going in, mm-hmm. where the big bus stop is. And I was able to just walk straight into the mall. The gates were down, the fences were down, and there was crowds of people rushing in and out of the mall at that entrance. So I just walked right in. Like, no security guards, no police, nothing. Walked right into the mall. Completely unprotected. Completely unprotected. And, and so I, so meanwhile, I, I went out and I bugged out and picked up my kids yep. and came back. But I'm looking at the, the top view from the helicopters and on the west side of the mall, completely mayhem people coming in and out yep. so both entrances to the to that mall were just wide open and so i'm in the mall now and i was in there taking photos of people actively looting saw a guy throw a trash can through a window there's a guy with bolt cutters smashing windows people running in and out of stores like full-on active looting yeah uh, so only on the first floor i didn't go up to the second and third floors because i i assumed police were on their way and i figured that was a bad place to get trapped on the third floor so i stayed on the first floor but so i'm in there i'm taking so photos you're in the mall as it's being looted yep just taking photos, people running past. Uh, and, you know, I looked at the timestamp on my photos. I was taking photos of the mall being actively looted at 3 p.m. So, so you told me at 1.30 it was being looted. Yeah. And at 3 o'clock, it was still being looted uninterrupted. With no police anywhere. No police anywhere. And about 3 o'clock, about 3.10, 3.05, all of a sudden, I mean, I would guess it was 100 police officers. Maybe it could have been 50. They were split across multiple levels, so it was hard to count who was on the second and third level. A significantly huge police response. Multiple columns of police officers, two by two, just started pouring into the mall from the 4th Street entrance, pushing it in, sort of flushing all of the looters out onto 2nd Street, right? So a bunch of people came running past me, ran out into 2nd Street. So at this point, we're talking... Close to two straight hours of looting. Yeah. And so I'm I'm in there. I'm now in the mall, right? And this is another point that we'll get to is important. And I see a huge police presence. Yeah. All there's guns, some of them lethal, some of them non-lethal, with backpacks, with riot gear. And my response at that point is like, oh, okay. Here's the response. Like, this is over. Right? Yeah. This is over. And they all form up, and they form this big barricade of police officers by the third street entrance of the mall. Um they're yelling at me to get out of there. I understand why, right? Sure, sure, I didn't need to get any arrested or anything. So I, I then I left through the second street exit at that point. Went around, picked up my bicycle, which hadn't been stolen or damaged in the midst of all of this, which I was fairly surprised by. Well, it's used, and there's Gucci bags right there. <laughs> well, exactly, so, yeah. right? And so I then hop on my bicycle and ride up to Fourth and Broadway, where the van store is. Van store is mass looting, like yeah. people running in and out. And this is where you get into. No police presence. There wasn't an officer to be found at that intersection. Yeah. And they were looting uninterrupted. After a few minutes, a cadre of motorcycle officers did pull up in front of the store. They hung out there for a minute, didn't arrest anybody. They almost they hung out there for at most two or three minutes, and then they just bugged out and yeah. left the area again. Yep. Um, I, saw, I saw a woman with a bike in front of the van store. Trying to keep people from going in and out, you know. Yeah, there was but some like the, it, it was almost that. like the citizens were doing as much as you know. At least what I saw, I saw citizens trying to protect stores. I didn't see any police. 
Well, and this, so this is when we get back to our point about why do we keep mentioning that a group of protesters stuck by the pier? Because yeah. what had happened is we had developed into a three-pronged problem, right? Peaceful protesters on Montana who were peaceful, mm -hmm. but who had a police escort and police were over there paying attention to them. Lots of them. Lots of them. Then you had a smaller group of protesters and the angriest protesters, the protesters who were most looking for a fight. They didn't want to steal, but they wanted a confrontation. Those guys ended up down by the pier. And there was a group of the angriest, most confrontational protesters ended up by the pier. And we know this because they had jugs of milk in anticipating tear gas. And yeah, they were clearly you set know, up. They had goggles. A lot of them had gas masks. And they were ready to go. Yeah. They ended up down by the pier. Then we had what became apparent as professional criminals looting on second and fourth. Right. And from my position on the ground, like I said, it was there was clearly forethought to that looting and we know there's forethought we'll get to that in a minute but from what i saw so i saw them looting vans i went down fourth street there were crews of people who were clearly targeting safes and atms and i say crews because those things are heavy yeah groups of people multiple people five to ten per safe or atm working together to get them out of the stores and put them in a waiting SUV or truck, and the truck drove away, and then they went for the next one. Right. Very clear that that was happening. There were also multiple SUVs, almost always SUVs, some of them really nice and way nicer than anything I've got, or can afford or hope to afford. <laughs> and they would roll up, and the trunk would open, and the trunk would be full of large container store, 15-gallon Tupperware containers, yeah. and people would run up, grab the container, run into a store, fill the container, bring it back to the SUV and load it into the back. And they knew which SUV to go to. They weren't random. Yeah. Like it was clearly an organized effort to clean out those stores. To the point where they gave it enough thought to bring in containers that they could stack yeah. in an organized fashion in the back of an SUV. And, and this was happening down for, and I, just, I, I traveled down 4th Street just like watching this happen. Just watching and watching and watching like, this was just continually happening. And at the same time, there was an element of chaos to this organized crime. There were fist fights that were breaking out. I saw one guy. I don't think he actually got run over, but he almost got run over because he was punched and beaten to the ground in front of a moving traffic. Yeah. So several fights in the streets. Um, there, there were different kinds of looting happening at different stores. There's a small Japanese restaurant um, on the corner there at 4th Street that got yeah. decimated for some strange reason. I don't really know what they hoped to get out of that. Jamba Juice was broken into. But the, the, the big targets were the clothing stores. Patagonia was completely cleaned out. Uh, Roadrunner, the athletic store, is completely cleaned out. Anything selling sneakers. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a store called Wasteland. Yeah. Completely cleaned out. Eventually, people were able to break into REI. And when I say eventually, and this goes back to the police presence, it took a long time to hammer through the glass at REI. It took a long time to make that hole big enough for people to get into. Right. And I have photos of people wheeling bikes out of the hole that they chiseled because they couldn't get the whole glass out. And this is just, so bear in mind, at, at 3 o'clock I was in the mall, right? Yep. And this was just continually chaos going on throughout this whole time. And by 4 o'clock, I actually sent, you know, you and Todd, our other publisher, a text, and I was like, this is a full riot. This is a full-on riot. Yeah. And there's no police here. Eventually, I saw some police officers show up at about about Arizona, 4th and 5th, but they just stood there. They weren't moving on the street, and it was just 
SUVs and cars pulling up, loading up on things they've stolen, very clearly organized, and no police, no police at all. I did not see an officer on that street during this entire time. And again, back to the point about where were the police? Where were they? And this where is what, were they? Where okay, were they? so so I'm watching the aerial view. Right. So I'm not, so I'm not seeing them. I'm on. I'm the guy on the ground. I don't yeah. have helicopter view. I can't see squat. All yeah. I can see is no cops. But yeah. you were watching on TV. Yeah. So where did you see them on the helicopter? So I saw the cops on Montana first of all, watching this peaceful protest, and a lot of them. And we have pictures on the ground, and we had the aerial view. There were a lot of them, um, dozens. Right, at, le- at least dozens, and not way more than dozens. But like, there were a lot of there were a lot of cops up in Montana. There was a humongous presence on Ocean Avenue at the pier, and along with a tank, and along with major SUV, like tons of vehicles, tons of cops. They were also in front of the public safety building. Yep. Right, they're at their headquarters, protecting their headquarters because that's a target. Right. And that'll get me to how, like, there's so much precedent for this happening in this, and we're, I'm not even get there yet. We'll get to there in a second. Um, I saw them lined up at the promenade. Right? Yes, because so that's also where they were. They, they were, were lined up at Third Street. They were and on, ignoring Second. And yes, fourth. they were on every intersection of the promenade. Yeah, at Arizona, Broadway, Santa Monica, Wilshire. At every intersection, there was police officers on the promenade. So let's just let's just take this for a second. You're standing at the promenade, and you you can see REI from that from that intersection, yep. and you see chaos. You see people trying to keep people from breaking in. You see guys with bolt cutters and skateboards trying to pound through that door. I mean, look, I don't think this is an easy, they did not have an easy job yesterday, but it seemed like the selective enforcement of policing the, the protesters and just watching this rioting going on, watching this chaos and this just kind of unchecked looting of second and fourth street just happened in perpetuity it seemed like yesterday it, it, it I, happened, I watched it for hours right and so so you saw the police on montana again policing a peaceful protest right the yes. montana protest was peaceful the whole time they policed that protest they set up a skirmish line at ocean by the pier whether or not they were afraid that those off it's this is a chicken and egg like did people become violent because the officer set up a skirmish line? Did the officer set up a skirmish line because people were throwing rocks at them? I don't know. I don't know what started it. But that point became a flashpoint, and the police very clearly doubled down on the idea that there was going to be a skirmish line there, and they weren't going to move. And we don't know— I, At I, Ocean and Pier, or at Ocean yeah. and Colorado. And I suspect—I can't prove this—I suspect that if the police didn't establish that skirmish line— if the police had essentially let those guys move up and down ocean, I don't think those guys were violent and looters. I think they were angry protesters. But I don't think... Looking for a fight. They were, Yeah, they were looking for a, a verbal argument. I don't think they were looking for a physical fight. So after, so after I was on 4th Street for a while, mm-hmm. I, ended up, I did recirculate throughout town. I ended up down at that intersection. I ended up down there with that group. Um right there in Tongva Park. And what was clear is there was a group of, by the time I had gotten there, the bulk of that protest had been dispersed with tear gas, but there were some diehards. And those diehards were being kept away from the police with uh, essentially pepper spray. If the yeah. protesters got too close, they fired a volley of pepper spray and pushed them back. If the protests, and this is true anywhere, but if the protests got beyond a certain size, starting at around 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, if the protests grew beyond a certain size, they used tear gas. 
but I was down there at that at that point, watching what was happening. Those protesters wanted to walk up to the police and yell in their face. That's what they wanted to do. I think if the police had let them, I think they would have walked up and yelled in their face for a while, and yelled themselves out and eventually gone on home. I do not believe the quantity of armed officers that was at that intersection was necessary to to handle those people. I think the city could have made a decision that, look, we're going to have a mass protest. There's going to be mass traffic disruption. Downtown's a no-go area. Fine. But the police presence on Montana and at that intersection seemed to suck all of their resources away from preventing the actual crime. So, again, I was circulating around. As I went up and down the different areas, there was a burning car behind the courthouse I saw. The courthouse itself got smashed. But I didn't see any arrests being made along the downtown area. The whole time I was here, through 6 o'clock, there was, I did not see arrests. Eventually, around 6 o'clock, I did see a large bus come in, which I assume was a prison bus. They were going to arrest people and put them on that bus. Yep. And at around that point in time, Basically, the police had let the smart looters leave. Anyone who was part of this organized criminal behavior was long gone. So, like I say, these professional criminals, they had already stolen everything. They'd cleaned everything out. Yeah. They'd been allowed to get in their cars and drive away. They were gone. The, there were either protesters who were stick, stuck, in, st- stuck around, uh, dumb criminals, not part of the organization, but anyone who was still roaming around downtown santa monica at the six o'clock hour were not the instigators and not the main criminals they were gone but the police were uh sort of going block by block and creating some zones and cordoning some stuff off and trapping some people in areas and people who weren't dispersing who weren't obeying the curfew were definitely being rounded up at that point um so here's what i saw i saw around that time i saw the they had they had moved the peaceful protest or the angry call them the angry protesters mm-hmm. the ones who were looking for a fight that they were down to 40 30 people yeah and they had them at the corner of 6th and uh Colorado and at that point they started arresting people and that's what the pat- that's when the big bus came yeah and they threw everybody on a bus and they took those people but they arrested those protesters eventually yeah because yeah. they refused to leave and at- but, you know, we, we've talked about this earlier. So there was some – this was utter lawlessness in and around downtown. Yeah. And I think we're on the same – it felt like the police were in the wrong place. It felt like the police were paying attention to protesters, both both peaceful and less peaceful, and ignoring the criminals. That's how it felt to me on the street. And it was so bad that – and we've, we've had a couple conversations about this. We, we won't out the business owners, but multiple business owners – the only business owners inside the areas that were hit that were not out and out looted were people who were protecting their property with guns. Yep. Like we know multiple business owners who went down that route. And that's, I mean, we don't want to swear, but that is crazy. That's crazy that it came to private property owners arming themselves and threatening to shoot looters. Like that is just outrageous. Well, when you consider the size of our police department and you look at examples in moments in time, right? So if you look at, let's just talk about the peer concerts. We can police the peer concerts. We brought in Beverly Hills and hot. We brought in all these other police departments to police our peer concerts, mm-hmm. which by the way, have never had a problem in 35 years. 
and now they're long gone. We we police them. Yeah, out. those are gone. So, but we we are able to. I mean, when you look at the the presence that they put, they have mounted police, they have go karts, they have tanks, they have all these different things that they use. And then yesterday, complete nothing on Fourth and Second Street. Yeah, I didn't see the mounted officers anywhere. I, I don't didn't know see if any mounted out. officers I didn't either. See them. Um, I did see the tank, but I saw the tank parked out at Ocean and and uh, Colorado. Yeah, I mean, if someone wants to get technical, it's technically technically it's an armored vehicle with has a gun turret on the top, right? Yeah, <laughs> like it's not an M1 Sherman, but right. like. And to any but, casual but, observer, that's a that's a freaking tank. But but, but my my point is, you know, getting back to the, the business owners. These are friends. They had guns, and they felt like they had to show those guns to people coming by, so they would just, at the very least, go to the next business. Well, there was that, a resistance of yes. don't come in, and they did. I, I watched for a half hour those guys at uh, Lincoln Barbershop next to Bay Cities. Mm-hmm. They had 10 people out there in front standing in front of their store, and while their front door got busted in, they all got out there and protected their property and people just went to the next yeah. one. And and I you saw know, that too. Like on 4th Street, there's a stained glass gallery. Mm-hmm. And there's a, one gentleman who stood in the doorway and just put his arms on either side of it. And they kicked in the door. They had. And then he stood in the doorway. And then they just moved on. Yeah. Like all it took to prevent the stores being looted was someone standing in front of the store. Yeah. That was the, the barrier of resistance was incredibly low. It just took a human being to say, nope, move on. And they moved on. Yeah. And this is where I get into the whole, what were the police thinking and doing? If it took that little effort to prevent the stores from being looted, when there were 100 officers or 50 officers or however many there were in the mall when I was there at 3 o'clock, why didn't those officers just walk down 4th Street? Were they afraid? I mean, I don't know. Speaking on their behalf, maybe they were afraid that the panic that would ensue from the looters, that they'd run out and they'd run over people or they'd... I, I don't know. Maybe they were afraid uh, of the panic. Maybe. But like, I, or, I or, you know, know, look, I mean, we, 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 have to, we have to give them this. People are furious with the police. Yes. People, the police are the bad guys right now. And you have a single cop walk down the street. That's really dangerous for them. Like, yes. They have to protect their, they have to be concerned for their own safety. But you have these resources. We have, um, we have incredible resources for, uh, for, that we, that the police have. I mean, I went through, Citizens Police Academy. So I know all about the resources. I mean, at least I did as of seven years ago, and they've done, they've just grown since then. There were 50, 50 officers less at that point. I know we have tanks. We have a trained SWAT police force. All those guys on the promenade that you see, they all look really buff and ripped. Mm-hmm. It's they because do. they're SWAT. They do. Because they're SWAT trained. And it's because they have to be within a five minute, and they're on bikes. So they have to be within a five minute ride or five minutes away in case they need to activate SWAT. We have a SWAT vehicle. A SWAT vehicle running down, drive, just driving down, lit up, driving down 4th Street is going to make everyone scatter. Yeah. And maybe the scattering is what they were afraid of. Like Maybe they were afraid that would cause problems. I don't know. But, but this gets into the big question, which is what were they prepared for? What were they prepared to do, right? They appear to have been prepared to heavily police protest. They yes. appear to have been entirely unprepared for the criminal looting and you could say that their argument is going to be like how could they have known this was going to happen this is unprecedented they had no okay okay so i'm not buying that no that's so that's the defense we've talked about this 
we know there's multiple reasons why that's not true, right? How about six days of precedent? Right. This happened Everywhere. in every major metro across the country. And we've, you know, every time this has happened, so they knew, just looking at other places, they should have been prepared. But we know more specifically why they should have been prepared, right? We know that there was calls put out across social media that advertised an open looting event in Santa Monica yes. with a place and a time. Yes. There was advertising being put out. Just going to repeat this. Advertising was being put out publicly stated that people should come to Santa Monica to loot and steal at, at 4 p.m. At 4 p.m. Yes. There was a time given and a place. We know the police department was made aware of this social media activity. This social media activity was had gone public at least at least by 9 a.m. on Sunday. Yes. Probably and possibly earlier. So there was a very specific warning this would happen. Yeah. And I have to imagine we're going to put that tweet out too. Yeah, we're going to show everybody what that you know, was. If you called in to if if someone at 9 a.m. called in and made a credible threat of a bomb on the pier at 4 p.m., the pier would be evacuated. And what's a credible threat? Like, okay, talk about it, whatever. But given the precedent, given what else is happening, these tweets should have been or maybe they were tweets or Instagram posts absolutely should have been treated as credible threats. Yeah. And there's the pier would have been evacuated and locked off. Business owners were not notified of, hey, we've had threats of looting at 4 p.m. You should board up, board up your windows. If they had told business owners that was a threat, they all would have boarded up their windows, and it would have looked bad. And in hindsight, if it hadn't happened, people would have said it was reactionary, but it would have prevented much of the looting. Yeah. Business owners weren't told that that was an active threat. Business owners weren't notified that they needed to worry about this. People didn't start boarding up their windows until windows started to be broken. Yeah. Like there was no warning. There was no warning. Although, yeah, I mean, I went back and looked at a timeline of just going through my inbox again, just because last couple of days have been a blur, right? I looked at I looked at the you know, notification that you know, LA County is on is on a uh, you know is what are you, <laughs> LA County is been on a curfew. A, a curfew. Thank you. Um, starting at eight p.m. I've got notifications from all different sorts of trade groups about the Fairfax incidents. And then we get um, more notifications about traffic, like every warning sign you could possibly have historically looking at my inbox from Friday night is pointing to this is going to be a problem. And then I read this tweet that was sent to me at 10 o'clock the day of and how can you how could you possibly say we didn't see this coming right and and we we should say the police chief the police department no one has come to us on the record and said we didn't see this coming that's we we haven't had a chance to talk to them yet these are just our first reactions right what we're saying is preemptively we didn't see this coming is not an excuse yeah this was coming the police department should have known about it they knew about it we know that they knew about it and, they knew and, about the the advertising and so the the question that Santa Monicans should be asking of the city manager, of the city council, of the police chief, is why were resources deployed to the protests, to the protests, and not deployed to the crime? And you could argue if someone's going to take issue with that language and say that the, the protests were also crimes, they were blocking streets. Like everyone knows what I'm talking about here. There was a massive criminal activity to loot and destroy stores that was criminal enterprise. It wasn't part of the protests. Right. Then you had protests of varying degrees of intensity, some very intense, some less intense. 
why was the police resources deployed there and not during the active crime? At, uh, I, again, you talk about the tank, the Bearcat, the armored car, the SWAT vehicle. You know, if you had brought in the quantity of cruisers that were flying around town, if you had brought in cruisers, you, you parked the Bear, Bearcat, the tank at 5th and Colorado, 4th and Colorado, you parked the SWAT vehicle at Arizona and 4th, you block Arizona, Broadway, Santa Monica with the police cruisers, and all of a sudden all those vehicles and SUVs are blocked in, those people are all going to scatter and run. And maybe that causes more of a problem. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Well, yeah, my. But it's I, so tough. Like if you, so you look at, you look at these images, you know, and name a city, name a city over the last couple of weeks, and you know, police cruisers are getting lit on fire. Police cruisers, they're they're getting attacked. And so again, I I, I get the safety component, but when you run four of them down, I mean, I was I was sitting on fourth, and I saw four police SUVs lit up, just driving towards probably the protest. Um, everybody scattered. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody ran out of the stores. Nobody, nobody wanted anything to do with that. They ran. Uh, so you know, I saw a hundred and ten pound woman with a sign: "Keep five guys with hammers trying to pound into REI." She and this other guy that was standing with her, arguably the guy was pretty big, but she on her own stopped that break-in. It's the first wave of it until she left. Until she left, and or you know, and they physically assaulted her. I mean, it was. It was not pretty, and I don't know that I would have done that. But like, my gosh, like you send a couple police cruisers by, lit up, they're gonna run the other direction, and if you do that, eventually they're gonna get tired and stop running and just leave. And and this is what also the, the tear gas and the pepper spray. There were significant, you call them non-lethal, less than lethal. There was weaponry deployed at that pier flashpoint. Why wasn't the why were they tear gassing a group of people? who was certainly angry, I get it, and they were blocking the street, and eventually one of them went into the vacant building there. Like, that situation devolved, and it got a lot worse. Yeah. I do understand that. It didn't start out that bad, and this is where priorities were missed. That situation was escalated where it could have been de-escalated. But the police department has to have more than one tear gas gun. We know they do. At what point in time did it not occur to anybody to use one of those on 4th Street while it was full of looters and just chaos and just absolute like mayhem. people brawling in the street like it was I can't I can't reiterate to listeners enough standing standing riding my bicycle being in the middle of that street yeah standing in the middle of 4th street utter lawlessness and not in the like oh clutch my pearls situation oh no they were bad people like it was a full riot there were brawls in the street there were people with hammers chasing other people down like the cars pulling up and just unloading all the stuff from the stores. Like the, yeah. the, the experience of that is hard to overstate how chaotic and f- completely free of any sort of cultural boundaries or norms that is. Like it's not a societal norm to run over somebody, right? That's not right. a thing human beings should do. Right. And yet multiple times people were be- I saw people being yanked out of the way of a speeding SUV so they didn't get run over because the people doing the driving didn't care. Like, that kind of thing seems easy. It seemed easy to prevent. They had ample warning. We've been through the timeline. We know they had plenty of time to put cops at those intersections like they did at the promenade. And just the police presence would have deterred most of those people from showing up. Once, if they, barring that, failing that, they let it get that bad, 
I think they could have cleared, cleared that out hours earlier if they'd taken some of the pepper spray, some of the tear gas, some of the means they were willing to use those tools on the protesters, but which means they should have been willing to use those tools on the criminals. Yeah. Like, and that to me is, that's what I have such a hard time mentally wrapping my head around. You can argue about whether they should do them, whether they shouldn't do them. Like just looking, taking reality for what it was. The police department established a reality and a set of rules that said, we're willing to use pepper spray and tear gas in this incident. They're willing to use pepper spray and tear gas on a group of 30 to 50 people who are yelling at them. If you're willing to do that, I'm not making a moral judgment on whether they should be willing to do it, what they should have done. I'm saying they were they were willing to do that. They did it. They did it. That tells then logically they should have been willing to apply that same criteria and rules to the active and violent crime scene that was four blocks away. And that's what I can't understand. I can't understand why the police department chose to ignore the crime and chose to deploy the resources the way they did. That's what's mind-boggling to me. And I, I guess that's where I'm having a, a really difficult time with this too, Matt. Um, you know, you, you look at, so one thirty, after I'd picked up my tribe, I'm watching the news and I'm seeing the National Guard in, you know, West L.A., where there, you know, there were hundreds of them there, and they're not deployed. And this morning, I was reminded that during the King Riots, there was a National Guard on every intersection in our commercial districts. And for those with the, that either weren't here or don't remember, Santa Monica did not get looted during the King Riots. Venice was on fire. All of L.A. was on fire. Santa Monica was saved because we were organized. We, we had deployed National Guardsmen. Now, given they're not our Santa Monica Police Department. Sure. But we, the, it was, we knew with just enough amount of time to go ahead and put that presence there on every corner, and that kept Main Street from burning. That kept Santa Monica from burning. In this case, we had resources of the National Guard. And I don't know the mechanics of how you deploy them or where they go or when, but it just seems so obvious to me, and not just to me. It seems obvious to residents, parents, business owners, everybody I've spoken to of why, why was this so reactionary and disorganized and just seemed like a complete mismanagement of our resources. Now, again, Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Like we weren't in the middle of it. Well, but there, there, we it, weren't in the middle of the command center. Yeah. I was in the middle of a riot. Yeah. If we're not, absolutely. <laughs> right, absolutely like, like, yeah. And, and you know, and my, my wife and my kids were in the middle of it too, Yeah, you know, and I went through it and I picked them up and got them to safety. But I will also say this, like, how could we let this happen when we had so much notice? Exactly. Riots exactly. have been going on for six days at this point. The social media advertised a looting spree. Yeah. Like, there is, like, we knew this was coming. And not only did the city know this was coming enough. So we, on Saturday, wrote our stories about a curfew being implemented here right. and talking about what was happening in Los Angeles. And in that first draft of that Saturday story, we mentioned, hey, a protest has been organized for Sunday because we heard about it. After we wrote that story, we had multiple people from the community, organizers, like there was a lot of chatter that said, oh, this Saturday, the Sunday protest has been canceled. And so we took that information out of the story because I couldn't verify at that point that it was still happening. I was trying to track down the organizers. There were people saying it was canceled. Some of the people on social media said it was canceled. It, there was a push 
to cancel that Sunday protest. And the city officials, whether they are police or fire or city hall, knew, knew that that Sunday event was problematic. They knew that the Sunday event could trigger something else, which is why they were, everyone was working to cancel it on Saturday. And we'll reiterate a bunch of times, the, the Sunday event at, that was advertised was a peaceful protest. It was, right? The yeah. Ocean and Montana people right. were a peaceful protest. But the officials knew that peaceful protests have been used as cover for violent crimes. They know this is the pattern. And again, what did they know? They and, knew on Saturday this is the pattern. we've been watching this for six days now. Right. So on, on Saturday, there should have been a call to the National Guard that's like, hey, National Guard, how close can you – what's the deployment time? How fast can you get here? If we have a situation here, like all of that should have been crystal clear. And Sunday morning, when people started advertising riots and advertising looting in Santa Monica, we should have been calling them in. We should have been, yeah. every officer should have been on the streets. Like, we should have had an officer at every intersection during this time. Some some sort of official looking, whether it's, I mean, we don't have enough Santa Monica Police Department to, to do that. But, you know, we are in this activation where Beverly Hills came in, Hawthorne came in, everybody came in. And the National Guard's deployed. Right. Like, that's enough. And and again, we the we protesters didn't. at Montana should have been left alone. I, I do think they should have been left alone, whatever. They turned out to be, they were very peaceful. The police department didn't need to be at every intersection along Montana, but they did need to be driving 4th and 2nd and Arizona and Broadway in the downtown area, just crisscrossing it, just driving through with just a cruiser, right? Other folks can be staged at the civic or stage other places so like minimize their visual presence for the protesters so they can do their thing off to the side but have enough people there that when that first call came in the first call came in of looting and break-ins at santa monica place that's when all of those cruisers should have just appeared they should have come out of the bus depot they should have come out of the civic yeah they should have come come down from the corporation yard and a cruiser on every block at that point that first call of first call came in a cruiser on every block yeah the instant that crime wave spread from into vans, that's when you could have had all 50 of those officers that were in Santa Monica Place have them walk down 4th Street. Because at that point, it wasn't... At that point in time, you probably could have controlled it. You could have gotten ahead of it. Ugh. They just didn't. It's just, it's just heartbreaking to see. I was, you know, I was on my patio, and while they... While the police were having the big confrontation with the the angry protesters, right, and just the flashbangs and the M80s and the tear gas explosions was just, I felt like I was in a war zone. I went downstairs and grabbed I don't I don't own a gun, but you know I went down and grabbed a bunch of golf clubs. Like you know I'm I got to be ready for for war here, mm -hmm. right? Like you know I got to protect my family, and that is just that's just sad, you know. That's just disappointing. It's discouraging. And it really made me angry. And everyone, all the residents that I've spoken to today, you know, I mean, lots of them, they all feel the same way. And, you know, so a friend of mine who lives over by Montana Avenue watched this go down. There was an LAPD unit that came in. And there was a there were two people sitting in a car in the alleyway. Rental car. By the way, lots of rental cars driving around yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to really got to start recognizing Chevy Impalas 
with the with the rental car barcode on the side of it. So clearly people were organizing when they went out and rented cars to do this. Um, and, you know, the LAPD questioned these people, had Illinois plates, and, you know, had them – they were clearly there waiting on Montana Avenue to be like the getaway for whatever the next smash mm-hmm. and grab was. That didn't occur. The LAPD chased them away. Now, who knows where they went? But there was – there was an organized activity happening, and I don't know how Montana got spared, and I don't know how parts of Main Street got. Main Street did not get spared, but you know, it was. Uh, it's just heartbreaking to see this. I mean, a fumble, just a complete fumble. On we had the resources, we had access to the National Guard. We've been through this before. We've been through the King riots. And <laughs> these bastards came in and destroyed our town. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. No, I, I get that. And as I say, that you know, for me, the the big the big separation is between the protests and what I'm calling the crime. Right? Like, yeah. I'm totally fine. I I don't have any problem with the protest at all. I don't. They closed down the streets. Don't don't matter. Doesn't matter to me. They could have closed down all of Montana and marched all the way up. Like I don't have any problem with that. Me neither. I don't have any problem. The, the protest at the police department was more aggressive. It was more confrontational, but it was nonviolent. The folks at the police department were angry. There was certainly spray paint and graffiti, which I don't support, but I also don't feel that strongly about. But that was, it was angry. It was confrontational. It was passionate, but it wasn't violent, right? Yeah. Don't have any problem with that. I actually don't even have a problem with the idea that the most confrontational protesters down by the pier wanted to get up in the face of police officers and yell at them. No problem with that whatsoever. They wanted to shut down Ocean. They wanted to shut down Colorado, like shut down the streets. As long as an ambulance can get through, sort of my big point is you can't, don't interrupt medical. So don't, so no, one, no one should die of a heart attack because there's a protest happening. Right. But all of that I'm fine with. I think and that's when I get into why I think the police, the deployment of resources along that pier sign was wrong i think the use of the tear gas and the pepper spray was overkill um but those two groups of people were interested in creating protests for systemic change They're, those were advocates for change those were people who are upset and angry about racial inequity in the country like those two groups of people i, I genuinely think they were agitating for change and what's best what happened on fourth street was an organized criminal activity. What happened on 4th Street, I don't believe was part of a protest. I don't believe it was part of a protest. I believe it was a criminal activity that was designed to enrich whether they are actual gangs or simply criminal syndicates. Like there's, I don't believe those individuals cared about the protest or the, the injustice or the inequity. I think they were opportunistic criminals. Sure. And that's the, that's why I would say that to me that's one of the differences. Like the police should have been, the police should have been there to prevent the the deeply criminal activity. They should have understood and tolerated, and not necessarily facilitated, but not actively obstructed the the protest behavior. Yeah. And, you know, this is complicated. Like you said before, this is complicated because there's a bunch of people out there. You know, people are going to immediately call us racist just for voicing these opinions. 100% it's going to happen because there's a group of people out there who firmly believe that the property damage and the looting is part of 
the inequity question and there's there are memes and discussions and groups that say that this is the point that the point is that the system is so unequal and so unfair that the destruction of property is the trigger and is the symptom of the deeper racial inequity like that's the argument they make right I mean, that, we can have that debate with folks i i'm not discounting their opinions but i do have a different opinion on that there's also some people and to your point earlier where you said you were afraid there's people who are going to say that was the point the point of this was to make people afraid there is an argument to be made that the whole point of this interaction is to take the fear that minority communities feel every day in their sections of los angeles and bring that fear to the wealthy well-off more racially segregated communities like that's actually the point the exportation of the fear that's been imposed on these communities is the point behind this behavior and i get that i do actually understand that argument and i'm not i actually i'm not i'm not opposed to the idea that people who are complacent with their status in life should be made to feel the fear that people who are systematically abused and oppressed feel i get that but there isn't that doesn't to me translate into a carte blanche license to beat people in the streets like i understand that that's what triggered the right the king right like he was beaten in the streets like i get yeah i see the irony in all this but i still think that as human beings there is a base level of decency that we should uphold and beating another human being in the street over who gets to steal the shoes or the baseball cap or the bike or the backpack or from Patagonia it was from the surfboard whatever that to me is not an activity I can get behind I can't support that level of violence nor nor can I support a police department that's violent against anybody like I yeah. I can't support a police department that systematically oppresses people of color or people of a sexual orientation or people from a certain part of town like I don't support that either the I guess my position on this is I don't support the violence in any capacity. But I think it, we do need to say that there is this argument to be made around the exploitation of fear that is part of what this social unrest is about. It's about communities that are made to live in fear expressing that and telling the communities that get to live in comfort and safety that there's a disproportionate system in America. And we should acknowledge that. Like we should acknowledge that that's part of this discussion. Sure, absolutely. And and I and I get it. I definitely get it. I've been for the record, I'm a minority, and my family was in the internment camps during World War II, and I understand oppression. I understand racism. Um, different lens, but I definitely understand it. And I do, I'm I'm with you. Where I don't I don't ever think that's an excuse for violence or looting. And I just kept repeating this last night, and you know, my wife has a different opinion, and like. I, uh, I, I just, I, there, there's going to be two opinions on that and not everyone's going to agree, but when it's this personal to our city, when we're watching streets that we walk down every day, just get destroyed. I just don't, I can't get behind that. I can't, I don't, I can't ever get behind that. And I can't get behind the violence and I can't get behind the looting. I support everything else. My gosh, you know horrible horrible situation our country's in and it just really it's really disappointing it's a it's a it's disappointing on so many levels and and that's really what i'm hearing when i talk to you know business owners are angry residents are angry that this happened 
but I can also just smell a huge amount of disappointment that is this what we just, is this where we are now? Are we at, are we at looting? Are we at rioting? Are we at a point in time where this is still happening? Like, are we, are we at, like, it's just shocking to me that we have, we don't have a police force that treats people equally. That's just, I mean, I realize it's a reality, but it's just shocking and disappointing. I guess I can't, I keep coming back to disappointing, but anyways, we're going on. Um, this has been long. Yeah. Sorry for that. But, and we'll do more, but, uh, as things shake out, we will be, uh, we will be coming back to this podcast. Um, gosh, I had so many, I have so much good audio that I got today. (laughs) talking to business owners i don't think i'm gonna be able to squeeze it in this but the next one i'll put it in maybe we'll make a companion podcast with our our boots on the street with interviews yeah like i say we like we said up front this is our first reactions to this this is 12 hours out yeah this is raw and it's raw on purpose yeah this isn't we haven't refined our thoughts on this or or had a lot of discuss this is this is just first draft so maybe we'll put this up as our first draft yeah we'll do the business owners as a companion piece yeah all right thanks for listening folks hang in there um We will see you on the next podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Inside the Daily Press. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Music. For the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an L.A. jam band that has been playing live since 2002. Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when you can hear them live, head to thebrigband.com.